Welcome to the Returning to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Michelle Leonard. Here, we're leading people to cultivate joy through storytelling. We hope listening will reveal pathways to unlocking the healing power of connection so that you can see your relationships and the world around you transformed from fractured into flourishing. There is a little bit of emotion in my voice because I just, I had my little sister who is a phenomenal spoken word artist, Grace Leonard. I had her um, write a spoken word for me as my birthday present or my Christmas gift. Um, And I told her, hey, I, I want you to write me a spoken word that I would have the pleasure of listening to before I get behind the mic to record a podcast episode. And it was my first time hearing her spoken word. I just listened to the recording and I am, I, I got some tears down my face. Just one listening to the beautiful gift that God has given her and also, man, just being on the receiving end of such the, yeah, such an encouragement. And she, she's so prophetic with it because there's things that she said in that And that spoken word that I'm like, man, how did she know? I've not told my little sister that before we get into what I want to talk about today, which is called dwell in the land. I feel like that's the word that I just want to I want to share about in this episode. But before I go there, want to do a little housekeeping. Want to make sure you guys know that this podcast is every other week. So this is bi-weekly released. Sometimes it does not come out fresh, bright and early at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday. Sometimes it is in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. Now that that is all done and out of the way, I want to talk with you about dwelling in the land. I, as you know, this, this podcast is very unapologetically unscripted. I want to talk about Genesis chapter 26. Recently, I've been going back through Genesis again. Um, I kind of picked up, I guess, a little bit in the middle of it. And a couple days ago, I was reading chapter 26 and I was just struck by a couple of things. Um, so I'm taking you a little bit through my process of like what happened with me. Obviously, there's there's an approach when I approach the word. There's this understanding of, okay, I want to, I'm, I'm approaching this with, with fresh eyes. I'm coming before it and I'm, there's this prayer for me of, Holy Spirit, would you show me what I haven't seen before? Or even just like highlight what I need to see today. And so then I really go in reading, expecting, believing that something's going to stand out. I'm going to see something I didn't see before and something's going to, going to be going to be moving upon my heart here. And sometimes it's like deeply revelational. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it really is this journey and act of faith of I did get something from that experience and time in the word. But this time when I was reading Genesis 26, there was this first it just started as an as a as an inquisition. I guess you mean something just deeply intrigued me. And what intrigued me was um Halfway through the chapter, you have, let me, well, I guess let me back up and give a little bit of context here. Um, If you were to look in your Bible, I think a lot of Bibles are going to title Genesis 26 as like God's promise to Isaac. So this is when, you know, of course there's promises that have been made to Abraham, but we really begin to see the Lord engaging with Isaac and affirming him as the 
next, you know, generational heir of the promise. And scripture is one place where I found this deep hope because God has generationally passed down an inheritance to his children. The, the same promise that was given to Abraham, God now comes to Isaac and says, this promise that I gave to Abraham, you're now heir of. Possessions aren't the only form of inheritance to be passed down. You can actually be heir of a promise. And I just love the fact that we know that as just as this promise was passed to, it was given to Abraham. And then God shows up and says, Isaac, now this promise that was given to your father, you're now heir of it's now yours. And this is being spoken to people who actually didn't have much. Abraham was beginning to grow in wealth. But it's just a beautiful thing of far before Abraham had wealth and had possessions, which, you know, then would have looked like cattle, you know, and servants and these different things. Well, before that was had by Abraham, what he did have was a promise. And so we're not even talking about there is a beauty of, of having material wealth that can be used and stewarded. But there's also this beauty of beyond that abundantly, exceedingly over that is this promise that we enter into. So just think of the reality of like, man, I just seeing that I was like, man, I'm generationally connected even to that promise. The things that God spoke over Isaac, that he would that he would be a blessing that his that his um, descendants would be fruitful, that they would multiply, that they would be a blessing, that they would be um, a blessing for all the for all the nations. All the nations would be blessed because of them. This promise that God would be with them, this that that promise kept getting passed down and passed down and passed down all the way down to the reality of like, wow, Christ in us by through faith in Christ being grafted in to that same family tree and thus grafted in to be in in like heirs to that promise. So with that being said of this concept of dwelling in the land in Genesis chapter 26, it starts off with famine. The, the story is mainly about Isaac here at this point. Um, and it starts with Isaac being in this place where there's famine. And something was really, I, I was really struck by the reality that in verse one of chapter 26, some of your Bibles, um, actually most Bibles will probably point to a note there that so far this land that was promised to Abraham and this land that was promised to Isaac, both people have experienced famine in this land. I mean, really check that out. This is the promised land that they're dwelling in. And yet both of them have experienced famine in it. I think, uh, I think Abraham did back in like Genesis 20. And now here you see Isaac experiencing in Genesis 26. And what was so striking to me there is the reality that you could actually be right where God has purpose for you to be. You could actually right be right there in the will of God. You could be right where he has you 
and yet be experiencing famine. You could have the promise of God and right where you are be experiencing famine. And so I want to encourage you not to run, not to not to automatically assume that you're not where you're supposed to be or you need to go and chase. You need to leave the territory where you're at just because there's famine there. Just because it's it's hard right now, because that isn't actually synonymous, that doesn't actually mean that the Lord isn't there, that he's not dwelling there with you. They experience this famine in the land. And then because of the famine, Isaac is about to leave. And we know that the last time there was a famine in the land, Abraham left and started journeying towards Egypt. And so before Isaac gets down to Egypt, we can assume that that's what maybe Isaac was going to do was follow that same path and he was going to journey to Egypt. But before he does that, the Lord speaks to him and to tell tells him to actually go to Gerar. Like to to be in this land where this King Abimelech is. And so he appears to them and actually says, don't go down to the land of Egypt. So he doesn't go there, but the Lord tells him to sojourn here in this land. And he tells him, I'm going to be with you. He says specifically in verse three, chapter 26, he says, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you for you for for to you and your offspring. I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. Something that is so I don't I'm just I'm just struck by and is trippy for me. And I and I and I wonder I wonder if you also find it interesting as well. Just think about that. Engage with what is that like to be in a land where one you you've just experienced famine in the in in part of the territory that's supposed to be your promised inheritance. You're le- you, you leave, you go a little bit of a ways and the Lord tells you sojourn here. So this is not, this doesn't belong to you. This isn't your land. And yet he's saying, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you these lands. And I just think that that experience that we see Isaac going through right now, it just seems like Man, just the perfect example of what it's like to walk through life now and what trust looks like with the Lord of to be in be in that in-between space of your you're dwelling in a place that's promised to you that you do not possess. You're in a place that's not yours, that the Lord is telling you to act like it is. And that's. That's easier said than done. How is Isaac actually doing that? I'm really asking you the question. How is Isaac like, how does one be in a land that's not theirs and not actually adopt the identity of someone who does not have? How do you dwell in a land that you don't own? Your name is not on the building. How do you behave not as one that has no ownership, but actually as one who knows I I do. 
The Lord is telling him, this is yours. He's trying to work out an identity for him. This is actually yours. This is how I relate to you and you relate to me. And, and so because of that, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be your land. And yet it's not though. And so he does do what God says and he settles in that in the land of Gerar and there. And I could be very much so mispronouncing that for a warning, but he's there in this place and growing mightier. This is where you have that story of him, like pretending like Rebecca's his sister because he didn't want to get in trouble. You know, like all that's happening there for a couple of verses. And ultimately towards like verse 16, you have Abimelech tells him and his wife and his clan tells him, y'all got to leave here because you're growing too strong. Go somewhere else. And so Isaac does depart while he's in this valley piece, this valley area. It says that Abraham dug up a well that was dug in the, in the days of Abraham. And he gave that well, the same name that his father Abraham had given it. And then it says he dug another, they found another well, a spring fed well. But then the herdsmen at that well, they quarreled with him. He literally names the well argument because there was a quarrel that broke out because they said, no, this is our well. What are you doing here? So, okay, he backs off from that. He's like, all right, you got it, fam. I'll move on. So then he moves on from that well. Him and his servants begin to build another well. And this well, people begin to quarrel with him and say, this is not your well. This is our well. So he names that well hostility. And so again, okay, he picks up everything. He moves away from that well. And I want to show you what it says in verse 22. It says, and he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth. Don't, don't even saying for now, the Lord has made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. He finds another well here. A third well, fourth well, if you're counting the, the you're counting the, the well that he, that was Abraham's well. He finds another one here. And in this one, he's, there's no hostility. There's no quarreling. There's no argument. And he says, he, he calls it a name of like, ah, that means like the Lord's made space for us. He's made room. And I'm going to just tell you what I was so struck by. I don't have a, I haven't come to a conclusion or an understanding. I just know when I was reading Genesis 26, I couldn't get away from seeing these wells. And I had never noticed before in scripture how back, how many back to back wells were dug in this moment. And I was just struck by man. He just moves on. He goes from one to the other. Okay, y'all not gonna let me have that one. He moves to the next space. Okay, y'all not gonna let me have that one. He moves to the next space. And I just wonder, because I'm thinking about myself, I'm like, would I have moved so quickly to the next space or would I have actually given up after that first well or for sure given up after the second well and took on the identity of an orphan, took on the identity of one who isn't walking with the Lord took on the identity of one who's not heir of a promise, but actually taking on the identity of one who, who has been abandoned, who has no ownership. Cause I love that. I love the reality that the Lord may not be giving you a deed to the house. He may not be, you may not have keys 
to walk in, but he has actually given you something. He's saying, I need you to operate based off of this promise that I have given you. That is a guarantee. I need you to operate like this is actually truth and you believe it because it is a guarantee. And your identity, the way you move has got to flow from this promise. And I see that happening for Isaac right now. I just see, I feel like the reason why he could even profess the Lord has made space, he's made room for us is because that was, that was already the hope of his heart. I think Isaac already had an expectation that they're going to, we're going to find a place somewhere. The Lord told me sojourn here. He, and he's ultimately, he said this eventually at some point going to be all mines. I love how he seemed unfazed by the argument, unfazed by the quarrel. Like the challenge and the quarrel of people didn't seem to phase him because he was like, this, this will be mines though. This is mines. And so I just hear this expectancy. There's a praise that he gave out to the Lord of, yes, surely the Lord's made room for us. Yes, he's made space. But for me, and I could be reading this into the story, who knows? I just, there's this instinctive feeling or knowing of like, like he knew, he knew this was going to happen. And that's why he could move from the next world to the next world to the next world. Cause it was only a matter of time for him. It was only, it was like somewhere on this land is a space for us right now in this moment. And I trust that the Lord's going to reveal it. I trust that it's going to be there. I just, I see someone operating as if they know that the Lord is with them. And not one operating as if they're still questioning if he is. And I just, it's, it just strikes me because in this season for my own life, there's been such a, I've been called to sojourn in some ways. There's been opportunities and offers that have come towards me in different ways that would be so much easier to say, okay, I'll take that. I'll do that. But there's this been this beckoning from the Lord of actually, will you trust me out here in this space that doesn't actually clearly look like there's room for you? Actually, maybe everything on this land challenges if there's actually room for you. You don't see where you would be here. Because do you know the place where God's promising to belong to Isaac, that would the land that he's saying would belong to Abraham and, and all the generation and his descendants after him. It belonged to people already. It was spoken for already. God is promising something to him, to them that actually nothing about it seems possible right now. This is not a promise to land that wasn't being dwelled on. And so I just think that that happens. There's a practical application for your own life for this. If you see it and you ask the Lord, Lord, where are you speaking to me here? Because you may be wondering, God, I don't see where there's space for me. I don't see where you've made room for me or maybe everything that you are seeing is challenging that there's space for you. But actually the truth is he has made space for you. He has made provision for you. It actually is there. It does look different. This is a faith journey. But would you walk not as if you're waiting for if that will be true or not, but actually would you walk 
waiting for it to for you to see the truth of it. Those are two different ways. I want to repeat that you can walk where you're one where you're like you're wandering and you're not quite sure if the promise will be true. And you're still maybe kind of questioning like, oh, I'm not sure you're skeptical and you're actually maybe even waiting for it to fail. You're actually maybe even waiting for the Lord to not be true. Or there is a way of moving in which you're actually waiting for the Lord to prove himself and that word to be true. I see in Isaac's movement from the next well to the next well to the next well. I actually hear there and I see there like I believe Isaac was waiting for the word of God to be true. I believe Isaac was confident that he said he was going to be with me. He said that this land was mine's. I'm going to I'm going to wait this out. I'm going to move. I'm taking action. Not there's not an inactive waiting. I'm taking action, but my every footstep I'm taking is actually wander is actually wondering and looking and perceiving for where am I going to see the faithfulness of God? Where is the promise? You know, Tr- even trickles of it going to be able to show up now. I'm expecting to see that I'm not going in actually looking for the Lord, looking to prove the Lord a liar. I'm actually going in looking to for the Lord to prove himself true and faithful. I'm expecting the words, the word of God to be true. So, okay, it's not this well. This isn't the well where I'm gonna be like, yes, thank you, Lord. You've made room for us. Okay, I'll save that name in my back pocket. I'm willing, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to use it. I'm gonna name some well, you know, the one, the well that the Lord made space for us at. One of these wells is gonna get that name. Oh, this one's hostility? No problem. I'm moving on. This is the, oh, this is the well. This is the place where, I get to name it. The Lord has made space for us. And here's the the beautiful and amazing blessing from that. When he names it, the Lord has made space for us. He's made room for us. The reality is that generations down, they're going to come back to that well. They're going to come back to that well. And they're going to hear that name. And the story of Isaac discovering that well gets told again. The, the, the nature of the generational promise gets brought back to memory again every time that well gets passed by. And the name of the Lord is, is, is exalted again and again and again. And that promise gets solidified in their hearts, in their minds again and again and again. It's beautiful. So maybe worth it to ask the Lord, Lord, what, what promise have you given me? Maybe even specifically, Lord, asking him in advance, what is the name? The name of a city, the thing that I'm needing from you, the blessing, the faithfulness that I need to see from you. If that was a name, what would it be? Like I said, for here, the name was, ah, God has made room for us, made room for us was the name. And maybe you need to ask the Lord in advance of God, what is it that my heart, my mind, my body, my family is needing to celebrate, to, to see you do? What are we needing to see you do, to see you be, 
What is the name of that? And maybe you get that name from the Lord now. And then as you believe in faith, as you move, as you walk, as you, as you journey, you're looking for the moment in which that promise, that name gets to be used by you. Man, maybe you're asking the Lord, God, I need, I need you to show yourself as good. Surely God is good. And so now when you walk out these next seven days, you're looking for the moment when you get to be like, aha, here it is. Surely God is good. Surely God is good. You're waiting to use that name. You're waiting to profess that over that moment, to, to shout it out to the rooftops. I surely God was good. God, maybe that name, you're waiting for God to reveal a moment when you could call him the God who heals my heart. And so you need to keep that in your back pocket for the next seven days and you need to walk around and look expectingly as you're engaging different moments. And there must say maybe sometimes there are moments they're hard because there's been pain and trauma that you've been experiencing. But you keep that in your back pocket and you're, and you're like, hey, it may not be this moment, but in one of these moments, in one of these days, I'm looking for it. At some point, I'm going to be able to pull this out and I'm going to be able to say, wow, surely the Lord is the healer of my heart. He's the comforter of my soul. I knew I was going to find that moment. I knew I was going to see it because it's true. It's been true all along. So what do you need to look for? What do you need to expect for God to be for you? That's my encouragement. Genesis 26 was where we were just reading. There's so much more. This was a long podcast episode, but thank you for being here with me in it. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, I am deeply grateful. I hope this episode resonated with you. And if it did, help us out by sharing this episode and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Most importantly, reach out to let me know how you're engaging with this episode and what topics you'd like to see covered in the future. You can connect with us on social media or get in touch with me directly at Gabrielle at returningtojoy.com to share your heart. I'll see you in two weeks for a new episode.